0: You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.
1: Give us something that our listeners can take away from this in terms of what would that look like? Like, where would one start? I
0: love it. It's a
1: great question.
0: More, I, I would like to, because some people may not know that, as you say, they're flaming out. Yeah. What would be some, um, like, points for people to recognize, like, hey, this might be you needing to deal with this? Yeah. Um, and then go into what she talked about.
2: I think, uh, I think an answer to that, Whitney, is learning to be self aware. So the very first thing is you got to be attuned. Mm-hmm. you got to develop that. And a lot of people have never developed it. Right. Mm-hmm. And particularly men. And the reason is because we live in a society where it's, this is what the professionals call it. It's toxic masculinity. Yes. And toxic masculinity is, is you're not allowed to feel right. You're not allowed to have emotion. You're not allowed to hurt. Be you're a not, man. Yeah. Be a man, Buck bucket up, up, be, uh, be, be strong. Mm. And, uh, and so we're taught as males to repress what we feel. Mm. So, Whether you are a man or somebody who is a very emotionally given female, this is the first thing is become attuned to what you're feeling. Mm. So there are things like what what am I experiencing in a given situation? What in that last conversation? When I left it, I felt differently. Why did I feel differently? So you're just tuning into the fact, I felt different. I felt sad. I felt alienated. I felt I wasn't heard. I felt attacked. I felt uh, for some reason their personality made me feel unsafe or something much worse. Whenever I'm with them, I always leave feeling like a chunk of who I am is gone. I feel like a part of my soul has been ripped out of me. Mm -hmm. Well, we're just becoming attuned. Another thing you can do is become attuned to your physical body. You know, do you find your heart beating faster? Do you find uh, the nerves in your eyes twitching? Do you find your your hands sweating more? Being attuned that I'm having reactions here. And incidentally, we have a lot of research today that shows that a person can look calm on the outside. Mm -hmm but they can have a firestorm going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. Right, sure. And so you have to learn to be attuned to you Mm -hmm. and what is going on on the inside. So if you're attuned to what I'm feeling and even my physical reactions, then you begin to drill down. And this is where I love helping people Mm -hmm. process who they are and what's going on on the inside. So, anytime you have an emotion, this is what I encourage people to do Google search the emotions wheel.
1: Really? It's called an
2: emotions wheel. Google search it. There are a bunch of them. Some of them are bigger than others. And all it is is a wheel that gives you the four quadrants of basic human emotions, Mm -hmm. and then it gives a bunch of smaller synonyms Mm -hmm. for those and you just look to see what am I feeling Mm. and it's just an easy way for a person oh my god I love that you
1: know I'm gonna print that (laughs) off and put it on my oh yeah
2: oh yeah I've got I've got it saved on my computer because whenever I'm uh processing things in my Mm -hmm. daily devotion with the lord um I go to it quite often
1: oh I love that
2: so every time you have an emotion every emotion you are feeling there is a narrative behind it
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and so if you're not attuned to it or you're not practiced or skilled at it yet, which Mm -hmm. sometimes you got to develop that. If you're not skilled at it, you're not even aware that there's a narrative. You're not even, and sometimes even when you're skilled, you got to work at finding out what is the narrative behind this emotion. Mm -hmm. So So is it
1: that, let me just ask this quickly. Is it just that people don't understand the value of really pressing in and taking the time? To make these type of assessments yes. in themselves?
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. Because they don't understand that that assessment is going to ultimately drill all the way down to the uh, root of bitterness. Wow. And once we can get down to the root of bitterness, this is where we go with it. Once you get down to the root of bitterness, you can get the f- lowest level of lie. Where is the lowest level lie? Or what is the thing that's driving all of this? hmm because this is how you do it. This is the emotion. This is the narrative. So once I get the narrative of the emotion, then I ask, what does that mean? Mm. And I get the narrative behind the narrative. Then I ask, what does that mean? I get the narrative under that. Mm -hmm. Then I get down, get down, get down, get down. And there is a a base level, organic, elementary fear that is at the very bottom of it. Mm -hmm. And then you ask yourself, why do I believe this about me?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And just, this is amazing, just identifying the emotion and just identifying a few of those narratives, even getting down to the very bottom <clears throat> of that fear, Right. your brain is already beginning the, repro- uh, pr- the reprocessing. So wow. you're either really? going wow. to repress or reprocess. You get to decide. <laughs> you're going That's to repress amazing. or reprocess. So when you get down to the fear,
1: okay, so yeah. is that why most people tend to repress because that fear is so real?
2: It's yes. And they don't really know if they can face it and and, and really uh, survive deal
1: with it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that breaks my heart.
2: I know. I know. So re- I
1: mean, like really breaks yeah. my heart.
2: So when you get down to the fear, and it can be, you know, something as as the base level is often things like, um, I'm afraid I am not enough. And if I'm not enough, then this next narrative tells me that I'm gonna be found out. And if I'm found out, the next narrative is that I won't be included. And everybody will know I'm the fraud that I am. And so when somebody saw me, but they didn't say hi, and they rejected me in that moment, um, it actually put me into a tailspin of fear and depression. And all of that was tied to, I don't think I'm enough. Hmm. And so then I have to ask myself the question, Why? uh, why do I not think I'm enough? What is that?
1: Now and that takes you on a whole, whole different, path.
2: whole different deal. And that's where you start pulling the hippocampus files out mm-hmm. and you're looking at them and you're reprocessing them. And this is where devotions come alive because in your devotional time, you invite Jesus into the moment. So you begin to ask yourself, where did the memories and I'm taking you in a, sh- you know, I'm, 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 I'm sharing uh, a bigger set of items in a short order, but ultimately you get down to where, where were the traumas in my life Mm -hmm. that I first began to believe this about me? Mm -hmm. When did I first start believing I wasn't enough?
0: I was just going to ask, does it have to do with age? Are the deepest ones usually the things that happened at a younger age?
2: A lot of them do.
0: Or does it even matter? Is it just like any large trauma?
2: Well, actually there's a lot there. So, um, We inherit, we need to know this, we inherit the genetics, uh, brain structure of our parents. So if a parent is developed in their brain neural pathways to anxiety, um, the very first predisposition is, is our brain is already wired for anxiety. Right. So then when you're born as a baby and you are being, let's say you're, you know, you're being bottle fed or even breastfed, the way that the baby's eyes connect with the, the primary caretaker's eyes mm-hmm. is actually the eyes of the parent is building the, the brain's infrastructure in that baby before the baby has a chance to even express or grow or develop. This brain is already being developed. And by the time it's two years of age, a great portion of its brain is already predisposed to how it's going to function. Wow. So you've got those pieces. Then you've got uh, you've got the fall of Adam that you inherit. Right. Then you've got things that were perpetrated on you. Some things were perpetrated on you mm-hmm. that were actual perpetrations. There was predatorial action. Somebody did something that uh, legitimately was offensive uh, to you. But there are things that happened to us that weren't because. Uh, the primary caretakers did something, it's because we perceived it or interpreted it that way. And our brain said, I don't like the way that feels because I believed that I wasn't being nurtured. Pia Melody, who is a a researcher around trauma. She says that trauma is really anything that's not of nurture. Say that again. That trauma is really anything that's not of nurture. Wow. So if, if you make like, if I make a bid to you, Mm -hmm. And I'm leaning towards you and I'm looking for you to connect with me, but you don't. Mm -hmm. That turn away from my bid actually opens me up either by my interpretation or by the way it was done Mm -hmm. to experience even a paper cut trauma. Now you multiply those. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, you're developing your brain survival techniques that when, when people I care about are around me, when my social const, construct is around me, when these people are with me, if, they, if I bid towards them and they, I've got a history of knowing how they're going to respond, they're going to turn away, then I have to decide, am I going to develop neural pathways of anxiety, which now means I either have to be a comedian I've got to learn tactics to get attention. I'm either going to be a comedian or I'm going to be somebody who is irritable and I'm, I'm going to gripe and complain and hit.
1: I feel like the the whole process, though, for us as, you know, especially word of faith leaders yes. mm. has been one of the word, the word, the word, the word, the right. word. and Ignore flesh. Yes. Emotions are flesh. Ignore flesh. Yeah. It. Instead of addressing and healing i remember i told this story recently as well but i remember a young woman who was raised a very sheltered christian um came to tulsa uh, i think she was going to Ray i can't remember but she was going there for bible school or or education of some sort but she was just barely 18 never been away from home and had been very sheltered and started coming to our church and and she had an issue come up, and it was really making her more and more excessively anxious. And so I would met with her two or three times, and so I finally said to her, maybe you need to go see a therapist. Yeah. And she was so offended. Wow. Why would I do that? Isn't yeah. the word enough? And I said, well, do you go to a doctor?
2: Right. Come on. Come
1: and on. She, said, she said, well, yeah. And I said, why do you go to a doctor? Well, because they understand the inner workings of my body can help me address those things. And I said, well, can't a therapist do the same thing for your mind? And I said, how can you get in faith for something and receive your healing for something if you don't even know what you have to address? That is so good. And she just sat there and she goes, oh. Yeah. And I said... I said, even, even people who struggle in their body, we don't deny them medication because they're in faith.
2: Right, right.
1: Deal with the symptoms, deal with what you have to deal with while you grow your faith yeah. and uh, acclaim what God has already purchased for you. Then you can appropriate that because your symptoms aren't so loud in your face and screaming at See, you on a daily basis. Well, good. you have to be able to do the same thing with your soul.
2: Actually, when you think about that pattern where mm-hmm. you take the emotion, mm-hmm. go to the feelings wheel, mm-hmm. you move down the narrative scale all the way to the bottom of what is the the elementary fear, mm-hmm. it's not until you get to that elementary fear that you actually can confront it with truth.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
2: that's where the word mm-hmm. needs yes. to confront that. So we're not giving room to That's what I love about emotions. what you're saying. Yeah. It
1: takes away that... Um stigma that we word of faith ministers have built of, you're just not strong enough in the word. You're not, you know, become the confession police and, you know, the whole thing. And, and really we've, we've broken down the beauty of our faith to some kind of a, I have to do this. It's about me now and what I do To attain what God has, as opposed to just receiving what he has, because I'm understanding what he's made in me, and I can address those things according to the word or the habits I've developed or
2: the... So true. Wow. So once you get down to that bottom fear, Mm -hmm. because whatever the emotion and the behavior that you were having is... Mm -hmm. Because it's an intimacy disorder, Mm -hmm. every maladaptive behavior is an intimacy disorder. So that fear at the very bottom level, if when you're reading the Bible, if it's just a cognitive piece of information, it is not going to reprocess your memory. Right. You have to feel the intimacy of God's oh, word to gosh, your own heart
1: that and so you much. have to grab
2: the people yes. in your community and bring them close. And they, when you involve them in that fear, your brain is able to reprocess it at a much uh, faster exponential rate because of the intimacy that your brain is now firing with, where it used to fire with fear. Now it's firing with love.
1: Wow. Wow. That is so awesome. Okay, this may not have anything to do with what we're talking about, but we just were talking about this when we got out of the car, and that was the impact music has yes. on your soul. Yes. Because it takes you to memories or something that it's brought amazing. you joy or some melancholy or something. Well,
2: interestingly enough, when we talk about uh, s- things like music, mm-hmm. any uh, spiritual discipline, whether it's uh, prayer uh, fasting, uh, getting into you know centering moments where you are just focusing on the Lord, whether you are raising your hands, dancing, um, we'd go to any of the spiritual mm-hmm. discipline expressions. All of them are to be uh, access, a- access points to intimacy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They when they are done with intimacy as the goal, they have a unique capacity to rewire the brain.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow.
2: So, meditating, reading your Bible, prayer, worship, all of that is the goal of having an authentic emotional presence while you're doing them so that they would be the exercises that reprocess your brain. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's so great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've never been the one to jump or run or whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, for me, like when the presence of God hit, I am just still like that is that is more me yeah and there have been times where you know you feel that oh everybody's running maybe I should run but now I'm to the point where it's like good for you
2: (laughs) well the thing right now yeah yeah and I think in in public environments you've Mm -hmm. got to you've got to know you that goes back to Mm -hmm. attunement but when you know I look at uh there was a video out after Tim Tebow had lost a football game at the University of Florida and the next game, he's telling them in the locker room, this is what's going to happen. And he is, you know, he's screaming. He's, he's got them so hyped up. Well, you understand when you do that, you're jumping up and down. You are, you're, uh, you're declaring things with a conviction. Yeah. There is no way. And so let me say this. You never feel an emotion. Never do you ever feel an emotion without neurochemicals firing it off in your brain. Right. So when you see Tim Te- Tebow doing that, what's happening is all these chemicals are rolling around mm-hmm. his brain and he triggered them to happen. Mm-hmm. So when you think about like dancing, like mm-hmm. Smith Wigglesworth, every morning before the first right. thing he'd do, he'd dance right. by his bed. Why did he do that? Well, he learned how to do that where it wasn't performance. Right. Apparently, he did that because it was regenerative to him. There was an intimacy connection mm-hmm. between him and God. Well, in, you know, when you lift your hands, we do know there is a book called How God Changes the Brain written by Andrew Newberg from the University of Pennsylvania. He wrote, and they did. he's not even a Christian, and they wrote these uh, things around spiritual disciplines. When you raise your hands, your brain's releasing neurochemicals. Mm. And so, there isn't anything God is asking of us in our worship to Him that doesn't have a component to the res- restoration or the restorative process of, of our souls
1: that He designed.
2: Yeah. So this is this is an area that people are disputing mm-hmm. today in the Word of Faith circles, mm-hmm. and that is, are you allowed to believe that you are broken? Mm. So here's here's what I'm 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 on a journey of questioning that I would hope that the listeners could lean in on mm-hmm. and that's the idea that we are growing
1: mm-hmm. yeah
2: and this idea of transformation
1: mm-hmm.
2: is not a miracle one-off right it is an entire life mm-hmm. that if we're growing what are we growing from hmm And if we are being made perfect, if, if, you know, certainly our spirit is perfect, we're born again, we're a new creature, there's nothing broken or messed up in our spirit. Mm. But if you and I are doing things that are triggered from these roots of bitterness, which we are, even if people don't want to call it that, Mm -hmm. some of the most dysfunctional people I know know God pretty good. Uh Uh-huh. <laughs> it's true. So, so if if they I'm are one of them, true. We'll see. We'll see. Let's let's take that. Right. If that's true, mm-hmm. and we sat here and as we were walking through the model, and you guys mm-hmm. were seeing things about yourself, mm-hmm. then that would mean that there are things that are in me that are still in process right. towards growth, transformation, right, and recovery. That's right. So the question is, is do I believe my brokenness is my eternal condition or do I believe that the grace of God is leading me and that I'm growing? So here's an example. When Jesus ministers to the madman of Gadara, he casts the legion out of him. Uh The Bible says that he sat in his right mind. That is a profound thing because there had to be massive trauma in that dude for him to be cutting himself and running around naked and all that he was doing. There had to have been uh, such a a, a miracle on his brain Mm -hmm. that took place. Right. So the question is, do we really believe that from that day forward, that guy never Never had any issues in any area of his life? He was just a perfect human. Perfect as in flawless. And if he's not, then is he broken? So we've got to define our terms. What is that? Right. And. So for me, I, I personally don't have a problem. And I know some of my colleagues and great friends would disagree with this. And that's, that's great. I I love conversation, but I don't have a problem saying that I, I'm living and executing through my brokenness Mm -hmm. and I'm moving from faith to faith and glory to glory. I'm growing. Right. So as an example, one of my, uh, my supervisor, in my certification program is a guy named Dr. Ted Roberts. Ted is a spiritual son of Jack Hayford. Mm-hmm. Ted was in his uh, late uh, or mid seventies when he was my supervisor. Mm-hmm. He was a Vietnam fighter pilot and uh, he was a four square pastor. So all of that now, the International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals, for which he was my supervisor, it is not a Christian organization. Mm -hmm. It's a secular organization, but he happened to have gone through it. And then, then I did too. Well, he goes to a weekend of therapy where he is reprocessing uh, memories with Mm -hmm. truth and he has some extraordinary time. So I have a meeting with him right after he went on a weekend and I'm asking him about his weekend. And I said to him, I said, Um, so Dr. Roberts, you've been doing this for like 20 years uh, or longer. I said, you know, is there ever a time that the traumas that you're processing, that they are completely and absolutely forever processed out Mm. 100%? And he said, well, I think that's a bad question. And I said, well, what'd be a good question? (laughs) And he said, I think the question is, is what is the goal of a Christian? And he said, would it be until Christ be formed in you, until Mm -hmm. you are like Christ? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, that would be true. He said, well, do you ever get there? Mm. And I said, well, not on this side of eternity. Right. And he said, so you're going from faith to faith and glory to glory. And that, for me, that resonates with me. Yes. So I do believe that I can, I can, uh, (laughs) I can admit to my brokenness as long as I don't embrace that this is my final condition or that I can't grow. What I'm doing is celebrating the grace of God that what I am today is not what I'm going to be tomorrow.
1: Thank you. And I think that's probably what frightens most word of faith believers or leaders is this concept of. If, if I admit to my brokenness, I'm not giving place to that. Yeah. But actually, it's not saying I'm staying here. Yes. It's saying I recognize this and I'm moving forward.
2: Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. That's how I process it. That's
1: too, I think that's indicative of too many of us um, believers that we don't even want to acknowledge. Yeah. yeah. You have to deal with those things mm-hmm. in
0: order to move past it.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: you can't just shove it under the rug and keep going. That's how
1: you fail. Yeah. And I mean and it goes back to what Blaine said about I am so far removed <clears throat> excuse me from who that person was. Right. Yes. But it's not that he's not aware of it or that it's not there. Yeah. He, and I loved his description. Yeah, it's it, you so know, real. it was the loudspeaker on by his ear twenty four seven when he was in the throes of it. Yes. And now it's a whisper on the other side yeah. of the door, but it's still a whisper. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. said,
0: "I can still hear it, and if yeah. I were to give place to it, then it would become louder." But which is so as, amazing. Yeah.
2: Oh, so. really? I mean, that's that's amazing.
1: Yeah. That's huge.
0: You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.